Welcome to the Ripple Podcast, the podcast about strange and unusual things, and then the ripples that those things create, the story after the story. I'm Rosa. And I'm Angela. And this is the Ripple Podcast. Get Ripple, the bright new drink that ring-a-ding flavor, Ripple. Hello. Hi. How are you, socially distanced sister? Um... Well, it's it's hard for an extrovert like me that misses human interactions. I'm sure you love it. No, I mean, it's whatever. It's, honestly, it's not all that different for me right now. I think the hardest part for me is um, just having eaten at home all the time. Yeah. All the time. And schooling from home. Um, but you know what? We're safe, we're healthy, we're making do. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that would be very relaxing. Oh, no. It's not vacation time at all. I just hang out with my dogs and watch Netflix. But I've been going to work, too. So that's, like, the major thing. I think the really, the only thing that's changed is that I'm not going to the gym every morning. I'm running instead, Uh which isn't great. But whatever. It's fine. It's something. Yeah. I've, I've kind of started to like it a tiny bit, but my um, exercise level has decreased significantly because I have a six-year-old with me. But can't you, like, take her with you? For a run? Yeah. Put her in a wagon or something? She's Backpack. <laughs> She's little. She's Throw her six. on your shoulders. No, I mean, she could ride her bike for a couple miles. There you go. But that's about it. Hmm. We, we do we've done like a couple hikes um up you know through the backyard <laughs> um throw on a youtube video yeah you, we've done that i've done dance videos with her there you it's go pretty fun um my hula classes are being um broadcast zoom wait you do hula still um sometimes <laughs> i kind of let that one slip didn't i yeah i didn't think you had done that um, years before Tina passed away, I kind of started going back again. Here oh, and there. yeah. Okay. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't telling anyone about it. Why? I don't. Because I would get embarrassed. You get embarrassed when you're dancing in a coconut bra and a grass skirt. Yeah, yeah that's required. Well, if you're performing, are yeah. you performing? No, not yet. But I want to. Oh. I mean, it is what it is. You've, I, you've got a whole quarantine to prep for it. Right. I'm going to work on those six-pack abs. And now it's being extended until like May 15th or something. So School's done for the rest of the year. Yeah, I figured. For the kids. Um, I'm curious to see if the fair will be canceled. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was wondering about that too. We and, shall see. And Reno, the air races. Yeah. We'll see. In the meantime, I'm getting lots of tattoos. Wait, what? How are you doing that? <laughs> so on Instagram, I get targeted ads all the time for Inkbox. Have you seen that? Uh-huh. The ones that like... Um, they look like real tattoos. And they temporary tattoos. They develop over like a couple hours. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I just ordered a bunch Did of them. Did you really? I want one. Well, order them. You have to tell me if they work. Okay. I'll try it out first. What'd and you let pick? you know. You'll see. It's a surprise. Oh. But no, I'm going all out. I mean, I hardly ever see people at work to begin with before all of this quarantine madness but now I don't see anybody and everything is through email or zoom meetings so I'm going for it I'm gonna get all the tattoos please get one on your face (laughs) I told Adam he's getting a neck tattoo yes um so I was watching Stephanie's 
YouTube today. I don't know if you've seen it. My tattoo girl, mm-hmm. Stephanie. Um, she, hey, I have a tattoo from her too. You do? Yeah. So does Monique. Yep. Um, she just released her YouTube channel today. Oh, I didn't see that. It's rad. It's all about like adulting, like how to be an adult because oh, that, that stuff doesn't get taught in school. It's really cool. And she has a great way of like speaking. Yeah. Um, but She's it was funny because cool. I was watching it with Eden and Steph is sitting there with like her like a, a T-shirt on. So both of her arms are fully exposed and her neck and stuff. So you can see she's all sleeved up. And Eden's like, I want that when I grow up. And I'm like, oh, you want tattoos? And she's like, no, I want to do tattoos on people. <laughs> and I'm like, that's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Get her practicing. Uh, she's a pretty decent little artist. There you go. But yeah, I mean, if you've ever wanted a face tattoo, now is the time. I think I might try it a, out. Yeah. And maybe you, I'll get an eyebrow ring like um, Joe Exotic. Oh, I think that's a little bit more permanent. Not if you just get like a hoop and like clip it there. Oh, is that what he did? Oh, I don't know. It kind of looked like it was on the verge of falling off yeah, at any time. Yeah, it was a weird spot. And you would think if you're working with giant ass cats, you would want to avoid dangly things hanging off your face, but maybe not. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's why he got it. I maybe think- he was like covering a scar up. I don't know. I bet he's so thrilled to be talked about so much he's, right now. He's like loving, he's loving the it, celebrity sure. life. Oh, man. Anyways, um, do you want to tell me anything else about your life in quarantine time? Um, I got some great yoga pants. Tell me about those. I was telling you a couple weeks ago. Oh, your your dupes. Yes. Actually, I think I was telling you when you did your Lululemon story. Was it back then? Yeah, because I ordered them a while ago. Uh-huh. So there's these awesome lululemon dupes on amazon and they're from the brand crz and they're like 20 bucks and they're awesome not sponsored they're great i ordered like five pairs which uh-huh. probably equates to like one pair of actual lululemons and I've, i have lululemons uh-huh. so i i know the difference like I, I mean yeah are there side pockets that's my question uh these ones that i'm currently wearing do not have side pockets but you can get them with side pockets okay, and i've ordered like some my requirement yes my requirement is that they're seven eighths because i cannot wear regular <laughs> yoga pant lengths because they end up scrunching up at the bottom and I look like a toddler seven eighths are actually full length length for us (laughs) yeah oh geez that's um that's the excitement of my life right now well I have a super super long story to tell you tonight um so we're gonna be here for a while I think and we may have to make this our first two-part episode i think it should be i think with the length of both of our stories um we should we should uh split it in half and we'll do a separate episode for which that. is kind of funny that we both have such long stories because normally our stories are right on track with each yeah. other yeah but it, we're doing conspiracies this time around and i feel like you need to build that backstory uh-huh to you, get the, and mine i don't know about yours but mine has like three different conspiracy theories oh mine has like 27 Oh, okay. Well, maybe not 27, but a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. And my ripple is very small just because my backstory and my conspiracy stories are so huge. Mine, too. Oh, that's funny. So, do you remember who's first this week? You're first. Am I really? You are. Okay, so strap in because we're going to be here for a bit. Um, 
And do you have a drink in front of you? What are you I drinking? I do. Um, I have, uh, to go along with mine, since we're socially distancing, we have our own separate drinks this time around. This will be your hint so you can guess what my conspiracy theory is about. But I have Eagle Rock, Kentucky bourbon. And here I'll show you the picture. It has an eagle flying on it. And um, yeah, so that's all I'm giving you that for a hint. tells me nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. But I, I have some Sprite to mix it with. Okay. Okay, so my drink is coffee, cream, but it's supposed to be yogurt, which I thought was Ew. gross. Yeah. So coffee. Yogurt and coffee? I guess it's kind of like a, a thick, like a cream. I mean. It seems like it would curdle. You, but milk doesn't curdle. Oh, that's a good point. I know. What it, kind of yogurt? Like vanilla? Plain, plain or, yogurt. Yeah, just yeah, blended. I Well, I mean, people put butter in their coffee. Right, yeah. Bull, which I tried is gross. I, I don't like it at all. all. It was greasy. Why that? anybody thought that was a good idea, I don't know. So, yeah, coffee, cream, Hershey's chocolate syrup. Does it have to be Hershey's? Well, minus. Oh. And then Amaretto. Okay. And that sounds ha- delicious. It's, it is. It's very good. So I'll tell you what it's called in just a second. Okay. Um. So pretty much my first page is all my sources because <laughs> I have 800. So I'm going to go fast. So melmagazine.com. Drop the dot com. <sighs> okay. It'll be even faster. Live for music. Does it sound weird to you? Yeah, it does. I want to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, fine. Reopen Copane WordPress. Reddit. Um, CobainCase.com, The Newport Buzz, Daily Motion, Kurt Cobain Suicide Note, the, uh, yeah, there was I a, wonder what yours is going to be about. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Demonical.blogspot. Oh, that's a creative name. The Black Bag Gawker. And then I watched two movies and a case of unsolved mysteries oh unsolved uh like the buzzfeed one or it's like back from like the 90s oh never like mind. A, unsolved mysteries like the tv show okay and then so i watched um soaked in bleach and then the curtain courtney story so there's all that so obviously i'm doing the kurt cobain conspiracy and a little backstory just for like a personal story on this so i was in high school right yeah when this happened yeah and what year was it 94 okay and um i was on the phone with my friend julie olson Mm -hmm. and we were listening we were both listening to k-rock at the time and the dj came on and he was saying like oh you know they think they found kurt cobain's body and so Julie and I are talking and we're waiting and they're playing music. And then all of a so- sudden a song is interrupted and the DJ comes on and he confirmed it was Kurt Cobain. And Julie and I were just like, oh my gosh, like I can't even believe this. And I was telling one of my friends, Karen, that I was doing the Kurt Cobain conspiracy for the podcast. And she's like, oh, I remember when I heard that um, he was dead, I was at Raquel's house. So it's kind of funny, like, People, People my age, where they were. Yeah. yeah, my, you know, I'm mm-hmm. 41, and you know, we, it's kind of like, I mean, I hate to compare compare him to JFK, but that's like this, like the the shocker of it at the time for us. 
I would compare it to Kobe. For Not that I was aware of either the JFK or Kurt Cobain, because I'm younger. Mm-hmm. Um, that but yeah, I mean, I would think that I would be like a Kobe level. Yeah, a big star. For when you heard about Kobe? Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. But it, it was funny that, that we all could remember that for, for me. So that's my personal okay. tie to this. So at 8.48 a.m. on April 8th, 1994... The body of 27-year-old and lead singer Kurt Cobain was discovered in his Lake Washington Boulevard home by an electrician named Gary Smith. He was found with a shotgun across his chest next to a cigar box filled with drug paraphernalia, including needles, black tar, and a spoon. Near his body was a suicide note written in red ink and stabbed into a nearby plant. Kurt Donald Cobain was born on February 20th, 1967, in Washington to parents Wendy and Donald Cobain. His younger sister, Kimberly, was born on April 24th, 1970. And as a child, he was described as happy, excitable, and sensitive. He loved music, even from, like, a really young age. I watched a video of his aunt, like, playing recordings of him, um, like, singing songs at two and three years old. Like, he was super into music. At just four years old... He started playing the piano and making his own song. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) I can't even do that now. Um, His parents divorced when he was nine, and he says that was a pretty traumatic experience for him. His mom says that his personality changed a lot during this time, and he seemed angry and withdrawn. In a 1993 interview, he elaborated and said, quote, I remember feeling ashamed for some reason. I was ashamed for my parents, of my parents. I couldn't face some of my friends at school anymore because I desperately wanted to have the classic, you know, typical family. Huh. Mother, father. I wanted that security, so I resented my parents for quite a few years because of that. Both of his parents remarried, um, and he liked his dad's new wife until she had a baby boy with his dad. Um, then he felt like replaced and started to resent this oh, yeah. quote new family because mm-hmm. not only is it a baby but it's a baby with his dad and the new mom right and it's a boy so uh-huh. there was probably that sure comparison Kurt's mom started dating a man that was abusive and Kurt himself witnessed him beat her up many oh, times Um, Unfortunately, she never pressed charges against him, even though his abuse had put her in the hospital. Oh. Yeah. Rough. So, Kurt began acting out at school, and he was known to bully a couple other kids. He was disrespectful towards teachers and other adults. He didn't like sports, but his dad forced him to join the wrestling team, and he was actually, like, really good he was kind of a natural at it Uh but he hated wrestling so much that he would actually allow himself to get pinned and lose a match just to upset his dad oh wow that's kind of funny (laughs) kind of brutal (laughs) right um and then he would do the same thing when his dad signed him up for baseball he'd strike out on purpose there was a boy at his school that kurt made friends with and this boy was bullied a lot and teased because he was gay but because kurt was his friend he started getting teased as well But Kurt actually liked that because this meant that people left him alone and he didn't want to be around people. He stated, quote, I started being really proud of the fact that I was gay even though I wasn't. Oh, that's weird. So because like, you know, back in like the 80s, late 70s, you know, kids were teased about it and 
um, because he was, quote, being called gay, no one wanted to be his friend. No one wanted to hang around him. So it was just him and his friend, and he huh. liked it that way. Um, later in interviews, Kurt said that he was, quote, gay in spirit. And in one of his journals wrote, I am not gay, although I wish I were, just to piss off homophobes. His parents sent him to a counselor to work on these anger issues. And the therapist thought that he would do better in just one home instead of going back and forth between his parents' homes. So his mother decided to give full custody to Kurt's dad. And I think with that, he kind of felt you know, ditched by his mom. Yeah, I would imagine so. So, like, here, I'm just going to sign you over to your dad. Not even going to fight for it. Just like, okay. So, Kurt's behavior obviously didn't improve. So, the dad sent Kurt to live with a family friend named Jesse Reed, who was super religious, thinking that this guy's going to straighten him out. And, um... Did his parents think he was gay at this time, too? You know, that wasn't said. He was... He, I mean... He was described by family members as kind of being um, feminine. He was, you know, small, like skinny, and but no one really said that one way or another. He later on, and I may have the quotes here, he later on says that he could have been bisexual, but, you know, no question. So hmm. on Kurt's 14th birthday, um, Kurt's uncle offered him either a bike or a used guitar. Kurt chose the guitar. Kurt played left-handed, even though he was forced to write right-handed. During his teenage years, he found the Pacific Northwest punk scene and frequently attended punk shows in Seattle as an escape from his everyday life. He started living with, with his mom again when he was a sophomore in high school, but just two weeks before he was supposed to graduate from his senior year, he dropped out of school. Around this time, he formed the band... This is his first band. Uh-huh. Fecal Matter. Oh, <laughs> great. That's a fantastic band name. And he's, like, spending all this time with this band. And his mom said, like, listen, you're not graduating from high school. You're not going to just hang out here and just float. You need to either get a job or move out. So she gave him just one week to do that. And when he didn't get a job within that one week... She packed up all of his stuff, and again, he felt super rejected. And he started couch surfing and sometimes sleeping under a bridge. And I don't know how well you know Nirvana music, but there's a song, Something in the Way, that I love, love, love. And he says that he wrote that song about the times that he spent just kind of couch surfing and living the homeless life. Never heard of it. So pretty. In 1987, the this is band. Before I was born. Shut still. up! Shut up! I wasn't. I didn't exist then. I was uh, nine. Oh, thanks for doing that math for me. <laughs> um. So in 87, Nirvana was formed, and the the name Nirvana itself. Um. Kurt Cobain took it from like a Buddhist concept, which he described as freedom from pain, suffering, and the external world. In 91, their second album came out, and that was called Nevermind, and that's kind of what shot them to stardom. Their first album, Bleach, I think is a good album, but um, it didn't 
get the attention that Nevermind did. Nevermind's the one with that little baby. The I was just going to uh-huh. ask that. What's the one where they threw the baby in the pool? Yeah, the little boy baby. I saw some like random clickbait article um, a long time ago where it's like, where is that baby today? Oh, funny. <laughs> That's really funny. How weird would that be? It's like, yeah, when I was a kid, my parents threw me in a pool to be on a Nirvana cover. That'd be so cool, though. Yeah, I kind of would. <laughs> um, and on the Nevermind album was the song Smells Like Teen Spirit. I had that deodorant. Well, so funny side story here, something I read. Um, one of his girlfriends at the time... Um, was like rubbing up on him and apparently she was wearing teen spirit. Oh my gosh, is that really where it came from? Uh-huh. That's so funny. And he didn't know. He didn't know like what teen spirit was because it was a girl's deodorant. Uh-huh. It was great. And it was like a fluorescent green. Purple. Uh-huh. And so the girlfriend, I think it was the girlfriend, um, spray painted on some random wall, Kurt smells like teen spirit. Because she had, you know, rubbed up all over him. And she was just kind of writing it to be funny because, like, he smelled like, like a girl. girl. And um, and that's where the song comes that's from. That's so funny. I thought it was the other way around. I always thought that the deodorant came after. No. The song is Teen Spirit. About deodorant. Uh-huh. So because of the popularity of that song, that subgenre of, like, grunge was kind of created. Kurt became the spokesman for Generation X. And this was not a title he wanted. He believed that his message was being misrepresented by the public. He strongly opposed racism, um, sexism, and homophobia. And they thought that was what... Wait, what? How does that connect? So he didn't want to be known as the spokes because he thought that that generation was racist and sexist? Right. Okay, right. gotcha. They, he thought that, you know, people were reading his lyrics and reading them as like, oh, I, I'm angry and I'm racist and I'm sexist. I mean, he had a song called Rape Me. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was that one. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, he needed to be a little bit more clear about that. Yes. But he... Yeah, okay, it's right here. So he put on one of his albums, I think it was his albums, anyways, it's a quote that says, if any of you in any way hate homosexuals, people of different color, or women, please do us one favor. Leave us the fuck alone. Don't come to our shows and don't buy our records. So. I had no idea. Yeah. Um... The song Polly. I should have made you listen to this album before I did this because that's another great song. It's on the Nevermind album. He actually wrote that about a 14-year-old girl that was kidnapped after attending a punk show. And she was raped and tortured with a blowtorch. Oh. And she actually managed to escape. That's extreme. But it says, okay, I'm trying to think. It says, um, Polly wants a cracker. Think I should get off her first. Oh, I know this song. Uh-huh. Um, she says she wants some water. To put out the blowtorch. Oh, I was like, okay. That's not subtle at all. But I didn't know about this yeah. girl. I just thought it was some random weird lyrics. Uh-huh. So throughout most of his life, Kurt suffered from chronic bronchitis and had an undiagnosed stomach condition. Remember that because that's going to come into play later. Okay. He first smoked pot at age 13. He was known to take, quote, notable amounts of acid he was really yeah yeah notable (laughs) he was quote really into getting fucked up drugs acid any kind of drug um and that's a quote from chris nov Novoslick, and i should know how to say that because he's 
the bassist of Nirvana, but oh. I'm going to slaughter that name. Um, he also would drink to the point of blacking out and would have solvents. That rock star lifestyle. Uh-huh. He started using heroin around 1986, and he was injected by uh, Kurt's drug dealer the first time that was selling him oxycodone. Oh, that's so creepy. <sighs> he said that he took drugs to help ease the pain in his stomach. Oh. Uh-huh. So okay. he was kind of like self-medicating. Uh, and you said that his his stomach pain was not diagnosed? It was undiagnosed, correct. Huh. But he later confessed to using the stomach pain as an excuse oh. to use the drugs. So I was just going to go out on a limb and, and say that maybe drinking until you black out might cause some stomach pain here and there. Well, and I, I myself have never done heroin, but apparently a lot of people get really bad stomach aches and will throw up from heroin. I had no idea. You know, I, I, I don't know. So, Courtney Love and Cobain met on January 12th, 1990, and he wasn't really into her at first because he didn't want to be in a serious relationship. He actually ignored her for a while, and then finally they'd make, like, a date to meet, but he kept canceling on her. Um, and he said, I was determined to be a bachelor for a few months, but I knew that I liked Courtney so much right away, and that was a really hard struggle to stay away from her for so many months. They got married on February 24th, 1992 in Waikiki. Courtney wore a satin dress, and Kurt wore green pajamas. Oh. He said he was too lazy to get dressed, so he just got married in those. Hey, when you're a rock star and you're that famous, like... Wear those green pajamas. Right. Frances Bean, their daughter, was born on August 18th, 1992. Bean? B-E-A-N. Like the name of my cat. Francis Bean. Mm-hmm. So the name Francis actually comes, I th- I wasn't think. really questioning the name Francis. <laughs> I'm okay with that part. It came, I think, from a designer. Um, the dress that Courtney wore was Francis somebody, some Francis designer. Francis is kind of cute. You could go by, like, Frankie. I love uh-huh. Francis. I don't know how I feel about Bean. But, like, when people refer to her, it's Francis Bean. It's, like... Like Did one they ta- name. Was, is there any explanation about Bean? No. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Well, moving on. Okay. <laughs> um, Courtney admitted to using heroin before she knew she was pregnant. Um, this sent a lot of people into like a rage, and they were questioning Kurt and Courtney's ability to raise a child. The Los Angeles County Department of Children's Services took the Cobains to court, and they stated that the couple's drug usage made them unfit parents. Oh, well, yeah. So, yeah, she actually was taken away a couple of times. Really? But, um, I guess they would straighten up long enough. Hmm. In 1993, Kurt overdosed from heroin. Um, and instead of calling an ambulance, Courtney injected him with nalo- naloxone, some drug, to wake him up. So kind of like a like a shot. Yeah. Like a um, Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. What's it called? Uh, like an epinephrine shot? Uh, no, is it Norcam? Is the name of it? No. No? Okay. Never mind. I just know that Adam, he, after his back surgery, he had some pretty heavy-duty pain meds, and then they gave him a, like a, in case you overdose, take the, this thing. What? Yeah. No, no, no. It's like totally a thing now. 
like is it a pill or is it a, a I don't shot? know I didn't look at it but he actually didn't even take his pain like he took his pain meds for like a day and he didn't even need them after that because when we used to do beekeeping and if you were to get stung in the face yeah, it was an EpiPen. I, okay. But in the face. It didn't have to be in the face. I thought it had to be in the face, like if you no. stopped breathing. I had to shoot you with that in the leg. No, it would be anywhere. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> so Courtney, like, gave him the shot to wake him up from okay. the OD of heroin. And she, like I said, she didn't call the police or ambulance. And this all happened right before Nirvana was supposed to perform at the new music seminar in New York. And he just, like, went on stage like nothing had happened. Really? Mm-hmm. Some strong drug. On March 1st, 1994, Cobain was diagnosed um, with bronchitis and severe laryngitis. That's while a problem on tour. for a rock star. Especially if you're the lead singer. Yes. While getting treated in Rome, Courtney woke up to see that Kurt had overdosed on champagne and rohypnol. Oh, Wow. Courtney told journalists um, from the LA Times that Kurt was in a coma for 20 hours and legally dead. Oh, shit. So later, though, she would tell reporters that this was not an overdose, but actually a suicide attempt. Wait, explain the legally dead part. Is that just something that crazy Courtney was spewing out or what? I mean, maybe he flatlined for a bit but i don't know how you can be legally dead yeah because don't they have to like sign a death certificate yeah i mean maybe he maybe he they had to perform cpr on him and that's her way of saying legally dead i don't know by the way i'm still getting death certificates to my email in case you were wondering please can we talk about that we'll talk about that before my story okay um so there was this doctor dr oslavo goletica sure um he treated (laughs) kurt and he said, quote, we can usually tell a suicide attempt. This doesn't look like one to me. So Courtney coming back later and saying that that was a suicide attempt, he, the, this doctor, says that no, he just overdosed. So after five days in the hospital, he was released and he went back home to Seattle. On March 18, 1994, Courtney called the Seattle Police Department and told them that Kurt had locked himself in a room with a gun and was suicidal. Oh, shit. The police came to the house, and they took several guns away and a bottle of pills, Um, but Kurt swore up and down that he was not suicidal and that he actually locked himself in the bathroom to get away from Courtney because they had been fighting. Well, yeah, but just to play devil's advocate, if you were truly suicidal and you didn't want help, that may be something that you would tell the police. Right, right. I mean, who's to, who's to say? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On March 25th, 1994, Courtney arranged an intervention for Kurt and his drug use. There were 10 people that came, but all that happened was Kurt getting super angry and locking himself in a bathroom. Apparently, he liked to lock himself in bathrooms. Yeah, I feel him on that. Uh, But is Courtney on drugs, too, at this oh, yeah. point? Because, like, how can you have an intervention and say somebody needs to get off drugs if you're also I guess she was out of your mind. afraid that he was going to burn the house down because... That's an oddly specific fear. <laughs> well, because of the drug use. I don't know what he was doing that was lighting flames. I don't know how these drugs work, so I can't really help you. I don't know. I- Does... I, I, apparently, that's one thing I read. I didn't put, <laughs> include that. But I, I apparently know. she was worried that he was going to end up burning the house down by accident. Well, 
So. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, <laughs> so 10 people came to this intervention, and he got super mad. But then a few hours later, he's like, okay, fine. I'll go into the detox program. Okay. Progress. So on March 30th. So March 18th was the police department. Um, coming. Yes. March 25th was the intervention. intervention. March 30th is him going to leave to rehab. He um, got all, you know, he got all of his guns taken away, but he got a shotgun and a box of ammunition from a friend named Dylan Carlson. Okay. And he told Dylan that he was afraid of intruders um, coming onto the property and he needed the protection. And Dylan Carlson told Rolling Stone, quote, he was going out to L.A. That's the rehab place. Okay. It seemed kind of weird that he was buying the shotgun before he was leaving. So Yeah. I, I mean. Yeah. You're not going to take it to rehab with you. Exactly. So, you know, Dylan being the good friend, he's like, I'll hold on to it for you until you get back. Okay. So Kurt went to the Exodus Recovery Center in Los Angeles on March 30th, um, 1984. The staff there was not informed of his past depression and past, quote, suicide attempts. That seems like an important thing for somebody at a rehab center to know about. It seems if you're going into a medical facility, especially if it's for rehab. They would want your medical history? You would think. Yeah. So friends that visited him at, you know, that kind of went with him to the rehab place said that he seemed happy. He um, actually was playing with Francis in the garden. Francis Bean. Francis Bean. Um, And then the next night, Kurt goes outside to smoke a cigarette and he climbs over the six foot fence of the recovery center and hopped a flight to Seattle. But he was there voluntarily. Correct. So he didn't need to hop a six foot. He's just showing off. <laughs> There's no need to hop a fence. You he could just leave. Practicing for a Spartan race. Okay. April 2nd and 3rd, Kurt was spotted around Seattle, like at his hangouts and stuff, but he had had no contact with family or friends. On April 3rd, Courtney hired private investigator and retired L.A. County Sheriff Deputy Tom Grant to find Kurt. There were no reported sightings. So he didn't go Kurt home. On April 4th. Well, you'll see. Okay. Courtney called in a missing persons report to the Seattle police pretending to be Wendy O'Connor, who is Kurt's mom. So she's like, 911, my name's Wendy O'Connor, and I can't find Kurt Cobain. Why is she pretending to be his mom? I don't know. Courtney told... Drugs. Courtney, I mean. Courtney told the police that Kurt was suicidal and had a shotgun. Oh. But the whole time, you know, she's acting like Kurt's moth. mom. Courtney okay. stayed in L.A. at her attorney Rosemary Carroll's house um, because she was, like, doing stuff with her band Hole. And um, she sent Tom Grant, the P.I., to look for Kurt and told him to go with her friend Dylan Carlson, the guy that shotgun got in the guy. shotgun. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You're getting these people together. And according to Rosemary Carroll... Courtney specifically asked Dylan Carlson to check the closet for the shotgun and to go and check the greenhouse. But later, if you ask Dylan or Courtney this, they'll both deny it. Uh, drugs. <laughs> so some... Also, I just have to say that Dylan and Carol, you know that I'm imagining both of these people as characters from or not characters but people from tiger characters. King. you can say characters, <laughs> characters. It's totally Dylan, the third husband carol we all know carol fucking carol 
So some believe that this was Courtney planting the idea to the police um, that Kurt was suicidal when instead she was planning his murder. Mm-hmm. So we're getting into some conspiracy stuff now. The beginnings of it. Okay. Tom um, Grant, the PI, and Dylan, shotgun, um, went around to Kurt's normal hangouts. Um, these are all places that Courtney said to go and check. And then they ended up at the house around 2 a.m. And it's raining. It's 2 a.m., so it's dark. Um, it's, you know, a big property. There's lots of trees. They searched the entire home, like basement to attic, like okay. all over, and they didn't find Kurt. And Dylan made the comment that he'd never seen the house so clean before. Um, they did, however, notice that Michael DeWitt, the nanny um, that took care of Francis Bean, um, had been in the house because his bed was unmade. And um, depending on what source you read, he was either like passed out in the bed, which I'm sorry, but if you're a nanny and you're passed out. Where's Bean? Right. Um, and his TV was on. So if he was there or not. Wait, there, was, there were signs of him. Well, where's the kid? I don't know. The kid is missing on a lot of this. A lot. Hopefully with, like, someone taking care of her. Because okay. she actually turned out normal. About 20 hours later, Tom and Dylan go back to the house and search again. This time they find a note that was left by Michael DeWitt. And it was, like, on the main staircase, like, right in view where they, you know, couldn't have missed it. Okay. It was definitely not there the day before when they searched. And it said, Kurt, and this is like reading the note, I can't believe you managed to be in this house without me noticing. You're a fucking asshole for not calling Courtney and at least letting her know you're okay. She's in a lot of pain, Kurt, and this morning she had another, quote, accident, and now she's in the hospital. She's your wife, and she loves you, and you have a child together. Get it together. Um, go and at least tell her you're okay or she's going to die. It's not fair, man. Do something now. And Tom Grant, he says that he felt that that note was super phony and was actually intended for him to find. So what was this accident? Was Courtney, did she OD again or something? She did. And so that same day that that note was found, um, someone in Courtney's hotel room had called 911 and said that someone had overdosed, and Courtney was taken to the hospital, but she was actually released. Who was there with her in the hotel room? Well, source, sources say or speculate that she actually called 911 on herself. Huh. And, Interesting. Um, so she was only in the hospital for two hours. They released her. But as soon as she left the hospital, she was immediately arrested for possession of drugs, um, paraphernalia, and a stolen property, which was um, a doctor's prescription pad. Oh, shit. Um, And as soon as Michael DeWitt, the nanny, Uh found out about this, he hopped a plane and flew to California to be with Courtney. Okay. So he left the note. Mm -hmm. He says he left the note? Um, it was, it was written from Michael, but it wasn't there the night before. But did he say that he wrote it? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. He did. Okay. And he's saying like, Kurt, I can't believe you're. And she's in California. Right. Huh. Okay. And he, and Kurt has been missing now since 
April 2nd. So. I feel like I need one of those big wall maps in front of me and <laughs> uh-huh. like start stringing things together. People okay. and times. So we have the note, but it's a suspicious note. But he says he wrote the note, but he also went out to see Courtney. Okay. Right. Gotcha. So April 2nd and 3rd, mm-hmm. remember we saw um, Kurt was spotted. Yes. April 4th, he was not seen. Um, Courtney um, called the police. And then for two days, um, the PI has been looking for him. Okay. So now we are at April 5th. And that is um, what the official reports say that the date is that Kurt shot himself. But obviously many people believe that he was murdered and Courtney was behind that murder. So some say that she was jealous, and if she couldn't have Kurt, then no one else could. Some say jealous of what? Was he cheating on her? Um, he wanted a divorce. A divorce. Oh, okay. And um, you know, she was in the band as well, and obviously, Nirvana was way more popular than, than Hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and some say that she just wanted his money and his, you know, life insurance. Oh, okay. But at the same time, like, if you are even the ex-wife of a superstar like that, I feel like you would still get a ton of money just by doing interviews and appearances and... Well, and sure, but are you going to get the publicity? Are you going to get the sympathy? I would think so, yeah. From just a divorce, not because your husband killed himself. Because a week after Kurt, quote, killed himself, Hole's album, Live Through This, was released. One week after. Hmm. So Kurt's autopsy was completed on April 8th, 1994, the same day that Kurt Kurt Cobain's body was discovered by an electrician that was hired by Courtney to install security cameras. So they didn't have security cameras, and that's 94. Oh. Okay. So remember how Tom and Dylan like searched the house, and then they went back. Yep. Well, they never searched this greenhouse. Then they didn't search a basement to attic. No, because it was not attached to the house. Oh, come on. This guy was a retired L.A. sheriff or something? And claiming to be a private investigator. Oh, he should be fired. But he apparently didn't even know it was there. Um, and it was because it was dark when they were searching. And it was hidden behind trees. Um, and he says, like, it, if you didn't know it was there, you you wouldn't see it. And he says, quote, it was just really strange to me that the one place on that entire property that we never searched was the one place I was never told about. Um, Because Courtney told him to go and search all his, like, hangouts and stuff and to to search the house and look in the um, um, closet for the shotgun. But, yeah. So the coroner, um, his name was Dr. Nicholas Hartshorn, and he declared Kurt's death a suicide within 24 hours before um, the toxicology ever even came back. What? You can't do that. Check this out. So, hang on one second. His name was Dr. Nicholas Hartshorn, and like I said, he declared Kurt's death a suicide. I already read that. 24 hours before the toxicology ever came back. Okay, and he, well, okay. Well, I kind of, actually, I know I said a second ago that that's like, you can't do that. But at the same time, I kind of see like, well, if it's clearly he shot himself, then. But, but don't you, 
think you should still do the toxicology I would think report? so. Yeah, absolutely. And was this the county coroner? I don't. I Probably, don't, right? I would Wouldn't they have to do that? Yeah. Not that I, not that Sorry. it matters. Not that I'm an official expert on <laughs> anything yeah. ever, but. Um, well, this is what's weird. So Hartshorn, um, he was actually a friend of Courtney Love's from Uh-oh. the late 1980s, and he used to party a lot with her. Um, he was on the punk circuit, like promoting bands, and he actually promoted some of Kurt's bands as well as Holes. That seems like a conflict of interest right there. Absolutely. Um, there's uh, Yeah, so it says critics, um, they allege that this case should have been investigated as a homicide and not a, um, initially begun with the conclusion of a suicide um, because it was a conflict of interest. Yeah, because he was a fan of Courtney's whole. Oh, gross. <laughs> Um, Hartshorn, the doctor, he actually was later killed in a base jumping accident in Switzerland. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was weird. So these are some of the different theories, right? Okay. We're starting to get in. Like I said, there was like a whole bunch of different conspiracy theories. Yep. Um, the whole heroin. So everyone knows that Kurt and Courtney both did heroin. Yes. That was no secret. Um, and Kurt had done heroin right before he killed himself. And he actually left a box, like a cigar box, full of the drug paraphernalia in, next to his body. Right. And I saw a bunch of them um, from some of the crime scene photos. Oh, there's crime scene photos. Um, There are. There's quite a few. And I'm going to talk about that, too. But obviously nothing, like, real graphic. Some of them are still creepy enough, though. Um, but, yeah, you see the old, like, cigar box. And okay. you see a spoon and um, syringes and stuff. But post-mortem tests found a very high level of the drug in his body and 1.52 milligrams per liter of blood. This is three times the maximum lethal dose. And a lot of professionals say that this amount of heroin is so much that Kurt have would have been like unable to hold the gun and pull the trigger without passing out. So even if that amount of heroin wouldn't have killed him um, because, you know, maybe he had a tolerance. Yeah, I was just going to ask. Like, I I mean, I don't know how heroin works, but I know like with alcohol, you you can can build build up a a pretty high tolerance. Um, But this is three times the maximum lethal dose. Um, Interesting. But okay, so say that, you know, didn't kill him right there. That's just that amount. But to put the shotgun and pull the trigger because it was a 20 gauge shotgun like and he put it to his mouth and pulled the trigger okay so to be able to like have that coordination that, mm-hmm, while you're that high would be very difficult okay and that 20 gauge shotgun um because of it the long barrel like to put that in that position and aim it um People say that it would have been hard, if not impossible, to shoot yourself in the head with it. Like, the way that the bullet, like, the direction it went. But it's a shotgun. Mm-hmm. So you might not have to be very accurate, depending, like, was it, do you know? He, they say that it. They, he put it to his mouth. Right. But because of the long barrel... So, yeah. No, no, no. I see what you mean. Uh-huh. Like, and where you have to put your hands to pull the trigger. Okay. And the the direction that the bullet went out, they said that it would have been almost impossible. So was it, do they know what kind of, 
round that he used? I mean, obviously they know, but did it say? Because if he used like something that spread, then you wouldn't really have to be very accurate. Um, I, what is that called? Something there's like birdshot, buckshot, and yeah. slugs. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's pictures. Oh, of the the rounds. Oh. Like um, the BBs or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I know very, very little about stuff like that. But I do know with shotguns, that you can have something. Yeah. Ammunition. That, yeah. Okay. Um, the police argue this, though, that they say that it wouldn't have been impossible. There were theories that the gun had been melted down as part of a conspiracy. I heard about this, but I forgot the details. But the police released the photographs of so it that in was 2016. So that was just rumors? Mm-hmm. Okay. There was a thing where um, Courtney asked that all of Kurt's guns be melted down. So I think that's where that started. Oh, I see. So all of his other guns, I guess, that were confiscated by the police, she, she requested yeah. them be melted down. Okay. That's understandable. Um, the shotgun that was purchased by his friend Dylan um, had been legally bought um, by him because, remember, all of Kurt's guns were taken away. Um, by him, meaning by Dylan? Right. Okay, so there wasn't, like, a legal transfer of ownership. No, he had bought it and then given it to Kurt. I'm surprised you still gave it to him, considering Kurt liked to jump the fence and skedaddle out of this rehab. Is, this is bef- – well, yeah, that's a good question, because this is before – he bought it before he went to rehab. Yeah. And so maybe he had left it in the house somewhere for oh, him. Oh, I thought Dylan said, I'm going to hold on to it He did. You. He did say that. But maybe huh. I'll hold on to it and leave it in your closet for you. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Um. So apparently the gun, the shells, um. So the the casings and stuff. Um. The pen and the note that the suicide note all had no fingerprints that were identifiable on them. The pen too. Mm-hmm. Because I could see how a note might maybe I don't know how fingerprints work, but I don't see fingerprints on notes. <laughs> But, but a pen, I would think it would absolutely have fingerprints. And the gun and the shell. Oh, the gun too? Right. And the shells. None of it. Oh, that's suspicious. Uh-huh. Um, and the gun actually wasn't even checked for prints oh, that's until a May 6th. Oh. So that so was a could, full month later. I wonder if, well, no, fingerprints don't really go away. Unless the gun is handled by a yeah. bunch of people. people. Hmm. Um, so that brings me to the suicide note. So Kurt wrote the suicide note and he addressed it to his childhood imaginary friend, Buddha. It's B-O-D-D-A-H. Okay. And there's two different kind of conspiracy thoughts on this letter. One is that Kurt didn't write the note and then the because the handwriting doesn't match. And then the other theory is that it isn't about him committing suicide, but instead about wanting to quit Nirvana and wanting to quit being in the spotlight. I've heard that one. Uh-huh. And my, you know, super unknowledgeable stuff is interesting because uh, I, I found it interesting that a lot of it is written in present tense. So, like, he wrote, like, quote, I have it good, very good, instead of, like, um... Like, I had it. Like, I, you know, you're kind of giving it up. Hmm. And then, according to the second um, theory, Kurt um, 
he only wrote like the first part of the letter and then someone else added the ending because the handwriting changes so significantly really? towards the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's when the heroine hits though. Well, and that's what some people say and that I guess in the the floor of the greenhouse was like n- linoleum or tile or something. So like not smooth surface. So if he was writing, writing it on, on the bumpy, ground and it got all bumpy. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you can see pictures of the suicide um, letter and it's, extreme difference like it, there's no question it's two different people or two different two writings. different scenarios um so a quote from the from the note is um i have it good very good and i'm grateful but since the age of seven i've become hateful towards all humans in general only because it seems so easy for people to get along that have empathy only because i love and feel sorry for people too much i guess Thank you all from the pit of my burning, nauseous stomach for your letters and concern during the past years. I'm too much of an erratic, moody baby. I don't have the passion anymore. And so remember, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Peace, love, empathy, Kurt Cobain. Interesting. And um, if you read the whole thing, it talks a lot about the band and him not wanting to be in the spot. Yeah, it's a long. I'm looking at pictures of it right now and it's a long letter and you can totally see I'm not even zoomed in, but it gets like it's it's pretty big. Yeah, it, it's long, but like the towards the beginning, it's pretty compact and like it looks pretty uniform. And then towards the end, yeah, it does get kind of wonky. But also, did you look at you looked? I'm sure you looked at these photos, too, uh-huh. right? That greenhouse isn't all that hidden. It's so, like right there. It's on top of a garage. Oh, okay. It's so it's just the like upstairs an upper portion. Part of it. I, all right. I'm still saying that this detective is either lying or just awful at his job <laughs> because look at the house is uh-huh. right. You can see it. I know. Yeah, that's bizarre. But I, something even, fishy there. Even some police who don't agree with um, Tom Grant's, you know, theories. If you parked where he parked, you can't see the greenhouse from where he parked. But you, uh, I don't I guess no, he I'm, just sucks I'm, at his job. Because, like, <laughs> wouldn't you want to know the borders of the property? Look at Google Walk Maps. the perimeter. <laughs> I don't, it just, it doesn't, it's not like it's freaking hidden in a jungly forest type situation. And I, I don't know. It just seems obvious. I I but that's only one tiny, tiny piece of this entire story. Right. There's there's a lot to it. Okay. So, um, the note itself was only released because Tom pretended to need glasses to read it when Courtney showed it to him. So, she had this note, and um, she wasn't like letting anyone have it. And he and he's like she was he was talking to her because at this time Courtney still thinks that like he's on her side and trying well, yeah, you know she she's hired the one that him. exactly hired him. And so he's like she she comes up to him and she's like, Tom, read this, look at this. He, you know, this is the letter and he's like, Oh, I you know what, I don't have my glasses. Can I go make a copy of this really quickly? Um, on the fax machine. Hey, private investigator that I hired, maybe you should be able to see things while you're investigating. But that's how he got his hands on a copy so of this So he lied letter. about that. He did. And, he totally okay. did. And then is he the one who released it to the public? He did. All right. So the guy's a scumbag. Well, keep going. He gets scummier? We'll see. Okay. Um, original reports state that Kurt had barricaded himself in the greenhouse, like, and no one could get in. 
Um, and in actuality, he, the door was just locked, like with a like a push, like a click. You know, one of those kind of locks. A little click lock? Like, like, um, like what a lot of bathrooms have. Like a button. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could like stick a thing in it and, and pop, pop it, it open. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. There was a little stool in front of the door as well, uh-huh. but it was not like barricaded. Like anyone could have gotten in there if they tried. Okay. Um, so they also reported that Kurt's license, like his driver's license, was left out um, on top of his wallet. Um, to help people identify him after he shot himself. But that's also not true. Um, an officer had found his wallet, opened it, and removed his license just because to see who this person was. Oh, I see. And then placed it on the ground where the crime scene photographers kind of later took pictures. Um, it was kind of known that Kurt Cobain only carried one credit card with him. And Courtney had canceled that card the day he went missing from the rehab center. But two attempts to use this credit card after the date of the medical examiner, like, stated his death, had been used. Wait. So, okay. Somebody tried to use it after he was dead. Correct. Weird. And, um, it, one of them was, like, for $1,500 to buy a plane ticket um, to Seattle. And then the other one was for, like, $43 on April 8th. Wait, from L.A. to Seattle? I don't know if it was from L.A. It was to Seattle. Apparently, because Courtney canceled this credit card, um, there it was it made it a lot harder for people. They couldn't pull up the records of, like, where it was used or the time of day. That's there, weird. It was, yeah. There was a lot could, of questions about those two usages. Yeah, because I could understand, like, he bails on rehab and she's going to cancel the card. I could see that. Like, mm-hmm. that that's reasonable. But I could also see if they had, like, some sort of joint card and she accidentally tried to use that card to buy a plane ticket home. No, because she says she didn't. It, it was his, specifically his card. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um... So the police couldn't prove who used the card, but um, which was strange that when they searched his wallet, they found two other credit cards, but they everyone knew that he only had one. But the one credit card that was used after he was dead was missing. So oh, that's um, really weird. Then there's this guy. Um, he, he goes by El Duce. El Duce. El Duce. Um, his name is Eldon Hoke. And he's from the band The Mentors. And I watched an interview with him. And he says um, that Courtney contacted him and said that she needed a favor. And he's like, okay, what do you need? And she says, like, you know what? My old man's a real asshole. I need you to blow his fucking head off. And he kind of. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And he kind of laughs and says, oh, yeah, whatever. He didn't really believe her. And um, he says that Courtney offered him $50,000 to kill Kurt, and she wanted him to make it look like a suicide. And there's, a, like, an actual video recording of him saying this. Of him saying this? Yes. That Courtney said this to him. But he could just say that because he wants to be in the spotlight. Well, it's possible. They were, they did know each other. They did have a history. So Courtney did know him. They, you know, Kurt did know him. Um, he knew where they lived. He gave a lot of, like, personal details yeah. of them. Um, I was 
speculative of things like that but he said she said well yeah some people want to get the attention I mean this is a huge story and they want to be a part of it well especially if you want to be famous and he was in a band yeah um he was given a lie detector test by um, an expert and he passed with flying colors so obviously he said no to it right is that what they're going with he did he said no to it um he actually did say I wish I would have done it because $50,000. $50,000. What an asshole. Um, yeah, kind of a dick thing to say. But if that's the case, then couldn't they look into the bank records and see if $50,000 was taken out for any $50,000 cash or something? Probably, somehow. Well, he says he knows who did it. Oh, he shit. said it was this guy named Alan, and then he kind of laughs, and he's like, oops, like, don't, because he's being recorded, you know? Yeah. Um, I, it sounds... Oh, super sketchy. Like fame um, But... A week after this recording for the BBC um, docu- documentary, <laughs> lost that word there for a second, um, the Curtin Courtney documentary, uh-huh. um, he was run over by a train in Riverside, California. Don't laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like you said he was run over by, and I immediately thought like a truck or something, like somebody went no. out to like shut him up. A train doesn't sneak up on you. No. Well, he was known to drink a lot. Oh. A lot. Well, don't drink and play in the train tracks, kids. So he had said that Alan Wrench guy um, was the one that killed Kurt. Um, he's another musician. And um, Alan Wrench was the last person to see him alive. Was he the electrician? No. No. D- last person to see El Duce alive. Oh, Sorry. okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, Got it. El Duce says that Alan killed Kurt. He was the last person to see El Duce. El Duce so alive. maybe he took Him El out? Duce, Duce or whatever his El name Duce? is out Duce. for a, yeah. a walk on the train along tracks. the train tracks. And gave him a couple 40s. Uh, Tom Grant claimed that Kurt and Courtney's lawyer, Rosemary Carroll, that's the chick that Courtney stayed over her at her house, um, told him that Kurt was going to change his will to remove Courtney and he was getting ready to divorce her. Um, Tom Grant said that Rosemary Carroll had found a note that said, quote, get arrested in it, which what? So Car- Rosemary Carroll, she finds this note that in one of Courtney's bags. That and says, all it says is get arrested? Get arrested. Um, Weird. But remember that Courtney did get arrested while that she night. was in an uh-huh. Um, and so it's kind it? of like an alibi for Courtney. But come on. Like, if you're really planning it out, do you do you have to write a note for yourself? Okay, at this time, I need to get arrested. Like, what? Well, maybe if you're Courtney Love, you do. But she also mentioned on recording because – um, Tom Grant like recorded every single interaction he had with Courtney Love. Every okay. single um, interaction he had with Rosemary Carroll. Like he, he just got wasn't very good at hours checking properties <laughs> and hours looking for greenhouses uh-huh. of recordings. Um, <laughs> and he says that Rosemary um, found a handwriting sheet in Courtney's backpack, so she was like trying to learn how to copy the way that Kurt Cobain made his E's and his A's. Like, oh, a little practice sheet. Uh-huh, exactly. And um, so they're talking, you know, 
Rosemary Carroll just told this to Tom Rosemary's Grant Rosemary's just phone. a snoop. She's just like going through Courtney's bag or what? <laughs> well, apparently Courtney left her bag um, when she stayed over at her house. And Rosemary Carroll picked it up and all these papers fell out. Oh, I'm sure. Uh-huh. I'm That's sure. That's what she says. So she left the bag there, went to the hotel to overdose and called 911 for herself? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, And then... So when Tom Grant's talking to Rosemary Carroll, she's like, uh, Tom, are you are you recording this conversation? And he's like, yeah, I, I record all my conversations. And she's like, oh, shit. Um, and she's That's like, not suspicious. Yeah. And she's like, well, th- well, this is just my theory. And then she hangs up the phone. And that I heard that recording. Um, but don't you legally have to tell people when they're getting recorded? Um. Do you have to tell them ahead of time? I think so. Or do you have to just be honest with them? I think you got to tell them right when they start talking. Oh, I don't know. I don't know that rule. I've never recorded anybody. So Courtney's estranged father, Hank Harrison, has said, quote, no doubt she was capable. I can't prove she pulled the trigger, but I can prove her involvement to a high degree of certainty. So that's her own dad saying that she thinks. Oh, shit. That's her dad? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, man. And then this is the last theory, or conspiracy theory, and this is one from Courtney herself. Oh, And she thinks that the CIA killed Kurt. Oh, obviously. Right. So according to her, the CIA had already tried to kill him when he was in Rome because he didn't overdose because he actually was trying to commit suicide that time. But it wasn't actually suicide. After all, it was the CIA. Okay. And she says that they could have easily hired a professional and covered it to look like a suicide. Well, clearly that's it. Case solved. (laughs) End of podcast. She says, quote, the press had reported that he was suffering from an overdose-induced coma, but he was actually a victim of strychnine poisoning. Strychnine. Strychnine. Did I say that wrong? Strychnine. Kurt refused to make the information public because he was afraid for me and Francis. The papers I received prove that the CIA was behind the poisoning. The government had been trying to kill him for months, and I think they finally got to him. Kurt was murdered, and the CIA is behind it. However, these papers that she has that uh-huh. can prove this, she won't make public. Oh, mm-hmm. bummer. So this is kind of cool. I mean, I thought, so the date today is April 10th, right? Yep. A public vigil was held for Cobain on April 10th, 1994. So how many years ago was that? I don't know. 94 to 2020? 16? No, it's more than that. 26. 26, sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was only off by 10 years. <laughs> um, and I've had this, a lot of whiskey. The, you have a whole story to tell me. Um, the park in Seattle Center where more than 7,000 people came to mourn Kurt Cobain. The fans were able to hear recorded messages um, by the bass player, Chris Nov- Novoslick, and Courtney. Um, Courtney read sections of the suicide note while she was crying. Mm. She also handed out some of his clothes to some of the last people in attendance. Um, David Grohl um, said that, oh, did you know that David Grohl was in Nirvana? I, I know that name. Okay. Well, he wasn't. He He's was, like a music guy. Yeah, the drummer. Um, he said that when he heard about Kurt's passing, it was, quote, probably the worst thing that has happened to me in my life. I remember the day after that I woke up and I was heartbroken that he was gone. I just felt like, quote, okay, I get to wake up today and have another day and he doesn't. Oh, that's really sad. 
So um, Chris Nov- Novoselic, David Dave Grohl, um, and then one of Kurt's best friends, Michael Stipe, you know, the lead singer, singer from R.E.M. Yeah. The Seattle Police Department, Kurt's dad, Donald, they all believe that Kurt committed suicide. Okay. Um, and then Michael Stipe said, I mean, because they were actually going to record a um, an album together. So Nirvana and R.E.M. kind of like doing together. like a collab thing. A little crossover. Uh-huh. Um, and he says, I knew what the next re- Nirvana recording was going to sound like. It was going to be very quiet and acoustic with lots of stringed instruments. It was going to be an amazing fucking record. And I'm a little bit angry at him for killing himself. He and I were going to record a trial run of the album, a demo tape. It was all set up. He had a plane ticket. He had a car picking him up. And at the last minute, he called and said, I can't come. Which oh, that's kind of suspicious to me. Yeah. When you have all these big plans. Uh-huh. Um, and just a little side note. Um, Michael Stipe is the godfather of um, Francis Bean. Francis Bean. Mm-hmm. So there's still a whole bunch of people, obviously, that believe that he didn't commit suicide and that he was murdered. Yeah. Um, one, obviously, being Tom Grant, the PI. Um, he went on, like, a bunch of shows to talk about it. I don't like that. And um, he said that he believes that Courtney Love and Mike DeWitt, the um, the nanny, had done it together Mm. and um and and where was he i mean we never really found out because like no one knew where the bean was and no i don't know where she was it was just never right did you watch the court case wasn't it on tv no i I mean maybe it was but i didn't watch i don't know i mean i feel like i've seen clips of it but i'm not sure um when when Tom Grant, like, kind of made these allegations that the two of them were in on it, um, instead of being, like, super outraged, she actually said, hey, do you want to work on some different cases for me? Like, she tried to hire him for some other cases. And like then... what? I don't... I, I didn't elaborate. Huh. Weird. Um, and then she also hired um, Mike DeWitt's father to do these, like, major renovations on her house. Like major money renovations, and then she got Michael a job with um, Geffen Records as some high paying like producer type job. So there's those little ties there. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's Tom Grant, who you're not a big fan of. Um, He still has like a website up that's devoted to all of this Kurt Cobain conspiracy theory. Seems scummy to me. Well. You can actually chat with Tom Grant if you want to about all of this. For a small fee. $45 for half an hour. Interesting. Did you do it? No. Come on. You got to show your dedication <laughs> to this Ripple podcast. So we need the info. 12 pages later. <laughs> uh, many of the witnesses that were interviewed for Tom Grant's um, Soaked in Bleach documentary have claimed that they were not accurately represented um, Courtney, she sent cease and desist letters to theaters when Soaked in Bleach came out, but a lot of theaters just ignored it and played it anyways. But she never tried to sue any of those theaters, and she's never tried to sue Tom Grant. Um, according to the spokesperson for the Seattle Police Department, they receive at least one request a week to reopen the investigation. 
And then in March, this is the beginning of my ripple. This okay. is what happened at the story after the, the story. The story after the story. So in March of 2014, there were four rolls of film which police had taken at the time of Cobain's death that had been left undeveloped oh, and had shit. sat in evidence for all of these years. Isn't that that's crazy? bizarre. Super weird. I don't know if that's like a common practice, but... I wouldn't think so. Why would you take those pictures if you had no intention of ever developing right. them? So when the 20th anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death rolled around, police decided to develop that film... And Seattle detective Mike Sosinski mm-hmm, clarified, um, he said, it's a suicide. This is a closed case. The photos were later released, and that's, like, a lot of them I saw. Okay. Um, there's, like, one. It's The one that kind of, like, leaves me, like, with the chills is a picture of his foot um, in, like, a pair of black one-star converse. And I don't know. It's just that one, like, really stood out to me. Huh. Um, one of them shows, like, Kurt Cobain's arm, and it still has the hospital bracelet from the rehab I center. I saw that. Oh, yeah. did you? Okay. I didn't see the foot one, but I saw the arm yeah. one. You can see his tattoo. Uh-huh. Um, and then the one of them is, like, you can see the shotgun shells. Um, you could see the, like, the cigar case. Um, and then this is, like, kind of the stuff that's happened since his, his death. In 2005, there was a sign put up in Washington that read, quote, welcome to Aberdeen, quote, and then uh, like a dash, come as you are, which I liked. Yeah. I really liked that. And that was like a little tribute to Kurt Cobain. Uh Um, It was actually paid for and created by the Kurt Cobain Memorial Committee, which is a nonprofit organization um, kind of created to honor Cobain. And then they're going to, they plan to um, build a memorial park as well and a youth center. Um, in 2009, there was a monument built to Cobain um, a, along the Wishka River. And it includes the quote uh, it says, Drugs are bad for you, they will fuck you up. Um, <laughs> the city, I guess, later decided to change the text to, like, F and then dash, dash, dash. Oh. But then, like, people go in and just, like, write the letters Yeah, in. we know what it means. Come on. <laughs> and then in December of 2013, um, in this little city um, called Hoquim, it's where Cobain once lived, they announced that April 10th would become the annual Nirvana Day, which is today. today. And then in 2014, today, April 10th, Nirvana was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And um, this is just a little quote that I read. So whether you believe that Courtney was behind it or not, this kind of, I think, combines both together both conspiracy theories together it says i believe he was a troubled individual with mental health issues he was self-medicating with drugs that were actually making things worse upon saying that i don't think courtney loved helped the situation the rome incident happened the night she got back together with him after 40 days apart and she almost for sure brought him the rohypnol she enabled his drug habit and worsened it and her mental instability and general drama behavior made his mental state worse. I don't think Courtney pulled the trigger or forced the rohypnol down his throat or had some hitman do it. Do I think Kurt might still be alive if he wasn't with Courtney? Yeah, maybe. 
especially if he found someone mentally stable and dedicated to actually helping him. Mm. So I thought that was an interesting yeah, take no, that d- definitely puts like a bow on it for sure. That's I I my entire perspective's changed though. <laughs> it really has. Do you have a theory? I. After going through all of this, I, I, I don't even know what I want to believe, honestly. Uh huh. Um, because I was such a huge Nirvana fan, I don't want to believe that he was so sad and depressed and hurt and alone, feeling that he would take his own life. But then again, I don't want to believe that he was murdered. He was murdered. Either. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. That really is. Um. Before hearing your story, your take on it, all of your information, I, and having not a ton of knowledge about it, I always thought that Courtney had something to do with uh-huh. it. I really, really did. But after, I don't even know how many times you said she called the police, she got hit, she convinced him to go to rehab, she did the intervention. Now I, I don't believe that she did, which is really weird. She's an absolute whack job. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, that's there's but no question about that. would she plan to murder her husband? And would she have been able to do it and get away with it being as wacky as she is? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think if, if that were the case, I think she would have gotten caught. I think that they were super toxic for each other. Absolutely. And I think that he took his own life. And after this, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I, the whole, that, what's his name, Al Duce dude? Uh-huh. Totally chasing fame, as well as the PI. That guy's worthless. Uh, but yeah, that, t- I, seriously, going into this, when you told me you were doing this story, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I told you immediately, like, oh, yeah, Courtney had something to do with mm-hmm. it. I don't think that way anymore. Well, if you want to watch some interesting documentaries, watch um, Soaked in Bleach. Soaked in Bleach. I've heard that's a really good one. Um, okay. no, yeah. Where did you watch it? Um, did you have to buy it? On- I didn't. I, I think I... It's not on Netflix anymore because it was on Netflix oh, for it? a while. Okay. I think I just watched it on YouTube. Oh, okay. And that's why um, I also watched The Curtain Courtney. Oh. Um, Frances Bean, though, she's <laughs> like, the, like the most perfect um, combination of Curtain Courtney. She's oh, stunning. Weird. She's beautiful. Okay. But like you look at her and you're like, oh, my God, Kurt Cobain. But then you're like, oh, Courtney. It's weird. Huh. It's weird. Interesting. So that's my story. Wow. 1,200 pages later. Yep. Okay. Let's take another little breather. Okay. Okay. So we're back. was I, an hour and 17 yeah. minutes. I'm sorry. It was so long. And no, it was good. I I'm was sorry. way into it. And like I said, my whole perspective has changed because I totally thought I knew the story and then I have so much more detail now. Um but yeah, that was a good one. Thanks. That was interesting. I'm definitely going to go watch that movie or Nick, documentary. Nick's like, you spent more time writing this damn podcast episode than you did in your whole high school career. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. So, okay. Um, so we're going to wrap it up yeah, this time around. We'll call it a week. This is, I mean, we kind of expected this. Yeah. This was going to go long. Um, so next week... Do you want to say who you're doing or do you want it to be a surprise? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I've, I'm going to read you a quote and then you can do, you can guess who it is. Okay. I have to look up a quote. Hold on. 
I'm I'm waiting. Okay. I mean, this is going to be the first one I pull up. And uh, wait, do you have a quote picked out? Or are you just nope. reading? Re- wait, is this like an author? Mm, yes. Okay. But that's not what this person is known for. Oh. Okay. Here's a quote. First quote that came up when I Googled this person. Okay. Never interrupt someone doing something you said couldn't be done. I have no freaking clue. That sounds like something that would be crocheted or knitted or cross-stitched on somebody's wall. <laughs> cross-stitched on somebody's wall. Isn't that what it's called? Cross-stitch? I like it. Never interrupt someone doing something you said could. I think it's a good one. Well, it's, yes, it's very motivational, blah, blah, blah. But oh. I don't know who this is. Okay. Well, if you really want to know, you can Google it. But otherwise, oh, you'll geez. you'll wait until next week. Okay. You want one more? Yeah, quick? I do. Okay. See if I can figure um, this out. Um, 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 <clears throat> um, 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 Let me see. I've got to get one that doesn't give it away completely. Um, women, like men, should try to do the impossible. And when they fail, their failure should be a challenge to others. Okay, I like that. That's a good one. I'm thinking it's a woman. Did you say it with a woman? No. Okay, I'm thinking it's a woman. Be- Unless it's like some dude who's really trying to tell women what to do. That'd be kind of rude. That's like kind of backwards. No, though. Like, it is. It is a woman. Yeah. That's like a very like women's rights movement. Yep. Very much so. Okay. And you have my Eagle Rock whiskey. Oh, Those geez. are your two hints. I'm not good at this stuff. So next okay. time. All right. Well, next time we'll hear who your story is about. Yep. And don't forget to be a fountain and not a drain. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.